Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, they put that sign up. They say you're live. I take them at their word. This is Birds 365, a football Friday. We love football Fridays here on Birds 365. So the Mag and Mac guys, Jody McDonald, along with my partner, John McMullen, who's ready to get out there on the grass today. Well, grass time, Jody. Well, grass grass time. time. Quality grass time. What time is that? I don't know if it's quality. Um, 1130-ish. Okay. Uh, as soon as I get off the air here, I'm going to run down to the Novacare complex, take in a little Nick Sirianni, get a fist bump, maybe maybe a little Brandon Lee Gouton rock, paper, scissors match, and then we'll get some good grass time in. You, you know you can actually uh, make that happen. There's a specific look you can give Nick Sirianni which says, I want you in rock, paper, scissors. No, I'm not. I'm not basing it. I'm, I'm going to tell you why, Jody. I don't want to be the first guy to lose to this guy. Oh, yeah. I don't want to be the first guy. So when somebody else loses, then I'll jump in. Okay. You're just not the first. Okay. I get it. Um, Yesterday, you spent some quality time on Zoom with a couple of Eagle guys, and I do want to get into that. But first things first, uh, I, I did something last night that I had never done before in my life. I will use the word iconic to describe the restaurant where I had dinner. Um, have you ever been to Jack's Firehouse? Mm, do not believe so. The name it, sounds familiar. Right. It's over on Fairmont Avenue. It's been around forever. Uh, yes, I will call it iconic. An iconic Philadelphia restaurant, which I'd heard of plenty. I just never attended. It's right across from the prison on Fairmont Avenue that they've turned into a Halloween attraction. Oh, uh, yeah. Eastern State Penitentiary. Correct. Jack's Firehouse is right across the street. And it's a great restaurant. Been around forever. I never attended. That's where my daughter now lives. She lives in Fairmount. This was the first time that I ever, to take my daughter out for dinner, had to go pick her up at her house because she lived at home up until last year. So it's a little bit different celebration of my daughter's birthday than I ever had before. And went to Jack Firehouse, which was we drove, which was ridiculous. We could have walked, but my wife said, we're not walking two and a half blocks. Okay, dear. Whatever. You <laughs> um, so we did. We drove and I paid I've $8, been there. $8 been there. to park for two hours. Uh, but great restaurant, great meal. The calamari last night was phenomenal, except they put some serious jalapenos in there, which I got to take out. Can you eat? Are you got a uh, an Iron Man stomach, buddy? Um, no, I would say I'm not uh, by any stretch of the imagination um, sensitive, but I'm not also, I'm not one of those get the hottest hot sauce available guys uh, okay. that do that. 
So yeah. um, I got a comfortable in between there. I do see, I just pulled up the menu. They have a Jack's Firehouse burger. So I think Firehouse, although it's, you know, that doesn't necessarily because it's named that. But I was looking for some uh, spicy stuff. And you want spicy, the huh? Jal- the jalapenos in the calamari, uh, I had one. And it was a mistake. Uh, I, I went to about four or five Diet Cokes, which I didn't really need to do. Um, but it was, oh, it was so good last night. Outstanding. And oh, the only reason why that. I felt the need to bring it up was because it's an iconic Philadelphia. You're ripping me for the use of iconic. That You know, that tells you I probably watched too much pro wrestling. I will say, you know, I, I am going to uh, backtrack a little bit on that. So I'm going to give you a win. I, I'm a history guy. So I'm I'm big into history, like in, in sports, but just in life in general. I tend to forget that other people are not, uh, especially in this generation. So nobody uh, from this generation remembers the USFL. But then I'll go one step. But they don't know Julius Irving, as I was saying. So, you know, I mean, and he's one of the most iconic, used correctly, Correct. athletes in this town. And by, and a lot of people don't even know his history because, and I'll tell you a story real quick. I was doing another show on another platform. I have never gotten killed on the air more, Jody, for my take that Julia Serving was a better basketball player than Scottie Pippen. And I said, it's not close. It's not even in, in, in the conversation. And I got just destroyed by people in the Delaware Valley. Because they've been indoctrinated to believe that Scottie Pippen belongs with the icons of this game. I've never gotten killed more on the air from when I said Julius Serving is in a different category, in a different um, And it's funny. I'm going to land somewhere in the middle. Uh, I certainly think Scottie Pippen is a great all-time player. I also certainly believe that about Doc. Doc was a better offensive player. Scottie Pippen was a better defensive player. Uh, Doc, even though the one championship they got was he and Moses, and I know some people argue that uh, Moses was the key guy on that. He was, by the way. He was. Moses was. Yeah, see, I would I would <laughs> lead for Doc because he was Doc. Well, that, but no, I mean, was, there are there – are, here's how I describe it. You can say – in fact, I heard – who was doing the Sixers game? Game uh, they lost. It was Game Four when Embiid got hurt. I think it was Reggie Miller might have been doing the TV. Oh, okay. He he was All talking right. about he was talking about Embiid early in the game, and he said he might be the most well-rounded center ever. You can make that argument because he can do so many different things. He's a great free throw shooter. How many seven foot two guys, you know, who can shoot free throws like he shoots free? He can shoot threes. He can handle the ball. You can make that argument. But when you talk about greatest players, like I will tell you, Scottie Pippen's a more well rounded player than Doc was. But I, I'll use it in baseball terms because one guy I always loved as a player, the so called five tool player in baseball was Roberto Alomar, just a tremendous baseball player, great fielder, steal, hit for average, hit for power, everything. But who are the most dominant players in the game? You know, the MVPs, if you think about it from a local perspective, the Phillies run. I always say you can talk about Chase Utley 
you can talk about Jimmy Rollins. You can talk about whoever you want to talk about. Ryan Howard was the straw that stirred that drink when he was at the apex of his game because he had such an impact on the game. I remember the, the World Series the Phillies lost. Chase Utley went nuts. You know why he went nuts? Because every time there was somebody on the on the on the base pads late in the game, the Yankees would bring in Damaso Marte because they didn't want Ryan Howard getting hot. Mm-hmm. They said, Hey, Chase Utley, great pipe. Hey, we'll let you get yours. But we're not going to let the guy who can kill us get on a roll. Impact on the game, Julius Irving, Scottie Pippen aren't even close. And that's yeah. why I said, if you, Jody, you're an old school you're, you're, guy. You're, so not, you're not giving enough credit to defense, the defense part of the game. They're, they're both Hall of Famers and they're close. To say it's not close is wrong. It's to, not say, close. to say Scottie Pippen is ahead is blatantly wrong. But to say it's not close between to be those on the guys, top I would tell players. you Here's how I always you're wrong too. To be on the top 50 players of all time, you got to be a Batman. You can't be a Robin. You got to be a Batman. Not for one year, not for two years. You got to be a Batman. You got to be the lead guy. You got to be the superstar. You got to be everybody that, that, that the guy everybody's leaning on. Remember the category top 50 of all time. Not, we're not saying. It's a good player. It's a great player. Oh, I, as a matter of fact, aren't both of them on the list? Yes. One oh, okay. should be. One should oh, be. Okay. One shouldn't. So you're using it to make a point that is shot down by your own yeah, result. You're not like, He's a top it, 50 player. You're saying a Batman. You have to be a Batman. You can't be yes, a Robin. It's my well, opinion. except Robin's on the list. He's a top 50 all-time except player. My, but I'm trying to say why one is better than the other. Now, people will say they're both top 50 players. I'm saying one was a Batman for the vast majority of his career until Moses got here. The other was a Robin for the vast majority of his career until Michael Jordan walked away from the game for a little bit. Now, I will say this, Jody. What I look at when I say I'm a history guy, here's how I look at specifically basketball, baseball. And I encourage everybody to do this. I always do this. Look in the moment. And how do I look in the moment? MVP voting. Look at top 10 MVP voting. Look at top five, even more than top 10, really top five. And look at Julius Serving's career, MVP voting, versus Scottie Pippen's career, MVP voting. You will be stunned. Uh, then uh, give me the results. I don't know them off the top of my head. Irving was top five, five. He was top 10, 10, 11, double-digit times. Okay. Double-digit times. Pippen was top five, I think, once or twice, top ten three or four times. Not even close, not even in a realm. That's why I say people are, are, are slaves to the moment. So when the documentary goes on and it's so well received, they say, wow, they're slaves to the moment. Julius Irving is lost in history in a large part, large part of the country, not locally. It happens in every sport. Uh, guys are lost to history because people don't care about history. They don't like history. That's why I like to look in the moment and, hey, everybody can do it themselves. Go on basketball reference, baseball reference. When you want to judge players, look at the MVP voting. Look how dominant they were in the year, in the time against their peers. 
That's how you judge great. I, I think that's a pretty damn good way to judge it. I will draw a different conclusion in you. I'll tell you it's close. We both have Doc. We both have Doc over Pippen. You think it's not close. I do think it is close, but certainly I would give Doc, Doc the night. All right, hey, this is Birds 365. We got off on a basketball tangent. We do need to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. Yesterday, they put the left tackle position front and center. Jordan Mailata and Andre Dillard both got a chance to spend some quality time with you guys who cover the Eagles on a day-in, day-out basis. To me, after watching both of the videos, they both look confident. They both look ready for the season. They both look up to the challenge without doing any smack talking. And I think you have to take the personality of the player into uh, consideration here. I don't see them either being that kind of guy. They're just not... Uh, smack talkers. And that's that's okay. It doesn't mean I think some of the greatest offensive linemen, now we're back into the greatest of all time in history talk, uh, some of them would uh, gouge your eyes out to become the greatest of all time. And others of them are professional. And they just go about dominating you with their skill and with their size and the like. So there's different ways to skin a cat. And I think these two guys are more alike than they are different. What was your take on what both Dillard and Maialata had to say yesterday? Did you take anything specific out of what they said about the upcoming competition? At yeah, I, I think it was a great sign for Andre Dillard. I think when you said both guys are, are, are handling it well, they're friends, by the way. That's one of yeah. them. They're, they're legitimate friends, so they're not going to kill each other. But there was a change, Jody, from Andre Dillard. There's no change from Jordan Mailata. Jordan Mailata is just that guy. He's always been that guy. He's always been uh, very outgoing. He's, he, he's, he's just got a great personality. He just connects with people. Andre Dillard was very reserved. He, he was very uncomfortable dealing with the media as a rookie, um, especially remember that was pre-pandemic. So you have these scrums around his locker. We all know about, you know, his unwillingness, not unwillingness because he did it, but he, his kind of defeatist attitude when he was forced to move to right tackle, everybody made such a big deal out of that. You go even back further in training camp as a rookie, he was caught by the Philadelphia Inquirer photographer uh, crying on the field. People won't let that go. The best thing about Andre Dillard is, one, and I advocate this for every athlete, to be honest, he got the hell off social media. Um, I think that's healthy for young athletes. I think Jalen Rager should do it. He's done it in the past where he deletes it, but then he goes right back to it. I don't think it serves any purpose to go back and forth on social media with fans if you're a professional athlete. He got that out of his life. I, I think his attitude is positive, and I've said from the start, I think he's going to win um, this starting left tackle job just because I think he's 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 so much, you know, Jordan started, I, as I always say, from ground zero, Jody. I mean, he didn't know how to put on a helmet. He had to be taught how to put on a helmet. He literally, when we start ground zero, usually with a football player, we're talking about, okay, he's coming into the NFL after playing high school football, after playing at least a few years in college. And we call that ground zero. That's not ground zero. Ground zero is never having played a snap at any level in in any way. Uh, and that's where Jordan Mailata was, uh, starting from literally ground zero. So he's still very raw, and, and especially when it comes to technique and fundamentals. 
what he does have is just unbelievable physical ability. It's just uh, freakish from the strength, athleticism, size standpoint. From Andre's perspective, man, he was ahead of the game as a pass protector, as a rookie. When I'm talking technique and fundamentals, now he needed to get stronger. We've talked about this a lot. He got beat up by the Everson Griffins of the world, the Robert Quinns of the world. They figured out really quickly he's not strong enough right now to play in the NFL, and they just put him on skates. And when veteran players figure that out, I forget who was on the show with us. It might have been Barrett. might have been somebody else. But when veteran players figure that out, they're not going to take it easy on you. Right. They're not going to feel bad. They're not going to say, oh, you've had a bad couple of plays. They're going to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it until you stop it. And the one thing Andre Stiller said to me is, I am much, much stronger than I was pre-injury. So he, he's been going in the weight room. He's been doing what he has to do. If that's true, if he's much stronger, he's going to be a good player, Jody. But we have yeah. to see it. Here's one that you and I agree on. I think they will absolutely this year, because it's a new coaching staff, I know there is the old ever-present Howie Roseman, who made both of these guys draft picks. Remember that. Even though Dillard was a number one and my lotto was a lottery ticket type selection, they were both Howie Roseman draft picks. So either way, he's going to look okay if one of the two steps up and wins the job and wins it convincingly and goes out there and plays at a very high level. There isn't a pressure from the organization as to choose one over the other. So I think the coaching staff is going to be real simple about it. Made the best man win. Get him out there. Get him working. Get him on tape. Evaluate him up. Take Stoutman's word for it above all others, and I think his should be more than John McMullen, Jody McDonald, John Q. Public Eagle fan. Who does the very highly regarded Eagle offensive line coach thinks doing the better job? When you put all that in, get the best guy out there. I don't care where they were drafted. I don't care where they came from. I don't care that one started at ground zero and one was a guy who was traded up for in the first round to be able to select. All that goes out the window. Put them on film. Put them out there on the field. Judge what they're capable of doing. And boom, hand the job to one of the two of them. And even that, saying that, you, you don't have to hand it to them for all 17 games. Put them out there. If they're doing a job, there's no reason to replace one of them. But if you choose one, and he is, if it's in the case of Dillard, still not quite strong enough. If it's in the case of Mylotta, still isn't 100% there yet because he had to start at ground zero at such a later late age in his football life. You can make a change. You don't have to commit the first game of the season. You got to commit to one. And then if he doesn't give it up, you have to stick with him, but don't be afraid to make a change. That's the beauty of this. Let the best man win. We've had a lot of camp battles where we said, yeah, but one was an undrafted free agent. One was a draft pick. So you know the general manager is going to say this. And this coach was involved in the draft pick of this player. And this guy was here previously. So he's got no title. That's the beauty of this competition. These guys are on the same exact level. They were both drafted. And neither one of them was associated with the current coaching staff. So it's a clean slate for both of them. 
made the best man win. And I think both you and I have a little bit more faith that Dillard is going to be the one who wins the job than most of Eagle Nation. Yeah, no question. And part of that is because Jordan is so likable. People quickly attach themselves and they like him. So they want him to be successful. But, you know, you and I have talked about competition a lot. We were talking about it with Jalen Hurts before we got on the show. Look, in some cases it's true. In some cases it's full of you-know-what. In this case, it's true. I mean, everybody made a big deal. Last time we were at practice, uh, uh, Jordan was running with the number ones. Well, you know, the next day when we weren't there, Andre was. So it is uh, going to be a competition. There are certain positions we talked about backup running back, that's going to be a competitive position, I think, in training camp. Um, Quarterback, it's not, (laughs) you know. And why isn't it? They don't have another option. When you have options, you can have competition. The one thing where I will disagree with you, Jody, pedigree, even in this instance, buys you opportunities. Andre Dillard's getting another opportunity because he was a first-round pick. If Jordan Mailata sinks last season when he's forced to play, he's not getting another opportunity. So there's the difference. You know, if you're a seventh round pick, he's incredibly right. raw. But I was I was only talking about coming into this year, not overall in the NFL. The starting point for both of these two guys, I think, is even this year. Are you saying it's not? Yeah. I I I and this is just a feeling. This is just speculation. This is not reporting. I want to be careful. Um, I get a feeling that they prefer that Andre would win the job for a number of reasons I discussed. One as simple as, you know, Jordan's versatile. So he fits in better as a backup on game day. Um, The other is, I mean, the GM is still here. So while you say the coach isn't here, um, yes. So the coach has no skin in the game, but the GM still has skin in the game. And he traded up for this guy. So I think that the fingers are crossed saying Andre Dillard hopefully has turned the corner. But that's, you know, that's just the feeling I get. If you're telling me Ty goes to the runner and the runner is Andre Dillard, uh, okay, I'll buy that and I'll agree with you. But if my lot is better, and even if if he's better, he clearly outplays him. He's better. Well, I didn't say clearly. I'm just saying it's close. Uh, We're back to our uh, – Scotty Pippen and uh, yeah. Dr. Irving, uh, Dr. Julius Irving debate. It's close, but if you got to make a call, you say my lot is better. I think my lot is going to Well, start. then you start splitting hairs. How close is it? If it's right. really close, then I think they might go, you know what? Let's, let's make Howie happy. He is versatile. He fits in better. If he falls flat on his face, they can do what you say. They can bench him after a month or so if they're a bad football team and it won't have much of an effect. So I think, you know, it's almost uh, like a boxer, like a championship boxer. Everyone says you got to beat them. You got to knock them out. Sometimes you got to, if it's close, you're going to, you're going to give it to the champion. Uh, I'm not saying Andre Dillard's the champion, but I am saying if he's close, I think they're going to default to making Howie Roseman happy. And here's what I think is a major plus on the Eagles' side. The guy who should, and I believe will, make the call is Jeff Stoutman. And he is the only coach on this staff who can say, well, I had seen them previously. He came through with those two players. So he's got history to judge, not just 
It's all up a tape. I saw it with my own eyes. I was here. I was their coach. So he's in a better position, in a positional battle, to make a call than any other coach on Eagles coaching staff. We'll see if it shakes out that way. All right, we're going to take our first time out of the day. We're hoping to go behind enemy lines. Uh, we promised you we'd do this from time to time over the course of, A, the offseason leading into the upcoming year. And then when we get in season, we'll certainly try on every given week to punch up someone who covers the team who's on the Eagles schedule. We know for a fact the Eagles have to play all their divisional opponents twice, which means Dallas, New York, and Washington. We've already given you a giant uh, beat guy joining us. We're hoping to get a Redskin beat guy up today. Chris Russell has been part of the Redskin coverage on their radio network for years. He's the Redskin insider, 1067 The Fan down in D.C. He's scheduled to join us. We haven't hooked up with him yet, but we're hoping he jumps aboard. Chris Russell talking Washington football team. Did I say Redskins once there? I probably uh, yeah. You're gonna we're we're gonna get a swear jar going for you, Jody, because uh, there's a lot of what? R words. You know what I have to say about those who get uh, pissed off about that? Uh, well, I don't. I I don't get pissed off. I just mean the name of the team. I've always been one of those people. Like I'm not gonna make news up for you. If the name of the team is the Redskins, I'm gonna call them the Redskins. If the name of the team is the Washington Football Team, I'm gonna call them the Washington Football Team because. That's my job. My job is to tell you what's going on. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to call the Redskins the Redskins if that's the name of the team. Right. But my point is, if I called them the Redskins by mistake and somebody's going to get bent out of oh, shape, I, you know, I got two words all, for you. I got two words for you and happy birthday. I wish my daughter happy birthday yesterday. If I have to wish you happy birthday with two other words, one that begins with F, one that begins with Y, uh, so be it. I don't care. They're a football team that plays down at Turnpike. They were once coached by George Allen. We all know who we're talking about. How you're referencing well, I them? Don't, I don't think we all know. Thing. We were we were talking about the history. I don't think we all know. You and I know. You and I know the San Diego Chargers, the Oakland Raiders, the Los Angeles Raiders, the St. Louis Rams, the LA Rams, the Chicago now, wait Cardinals. A minute. Well, yeah, yeah. Now, now you go down a uh, rabbit hole here. You're talking about teams that were named something. 40 years ago. They were the stinking Redskins 12 months ago. Yeah, but you know how people are, Jody. Come on. People, stay tuned. We got much more Birds 365 coming your way. Hoping to hear from Chris Russell for 1067 The Fan down in D.C. next here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. 
catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. A football Friday edition of Mac and Mac. It is. Getting that much closer to the start of season. John is getting ready for some serious grass time. Got some practice to get to uh, today. As you can see by the two box rather than the three box, we're having trouble hooking up with Chris Russell, our uh, friend from D.C., who's going to come on and talk some Washington football team with us. Uh, hopefully we punch him up. If we don't, John and I will just continue to talk birds with you. And there was other news in addition to them making a couple of their uh, offensive lineman, a.k.a. the battle for left tackle available to you guys. Uh, the Eagles did announce officially the signing of several of their draft picks. And the biggest news, of course, is number one pick. Devonta uh, Smith got 20 and change million dollars guaranteed over a four-year deal with the option for the fifth year uh, slotted in. And no great surprises. I could have been within $100,000 of what the number was probably going to be. So it was no great surprise. They just made it official today. Uh, getting all that money guaranteed is the uh, uh, dessert you get for being a first-round pick. You don't have to sing for your supper. You get all that money locked in. So good for Devonta Smith. John, the only thing that grabbed my attention yesterday, and again, uh, the Eagles can announce these whatever they see fit they've got the cap flexibility to be able to do it some teams actually need to create the cap flexibility to get all their guys signed or up against it eagles didn't have to do anything like that um they signed they announced their first round pick their third round pick their fourth round pick and their fifth round pick and didn't announce the signing of their second round pick uh, and we know who the second round pick is, a guy who the Eagles have high hopes for going forward. 
maybe not week number one, maybe not even season number one because he's coming back from a major injury. But um, did, did you think there was any reading between the lines to be done with the fact that the Eagles – did not announce the signing of their second-round draft pick. No. It, generally, this stuff is just timing. As you mentioned, everything is slotted in now, Jody. I think people – we it's been a theme of the show. If you go back years and years and years, there weren't no slots. You had holdouts. You had wrangling. Now they've set up this sort of structure in the CBA where everybody knows what they're going to get paid. So it's just timing. It's just, you know – Maybe you haven't worked things out with that particular agent. Sometimes the Eagles announce all the signings at one time. Right. They had a little bit more of a difficult time here because they had to wait till June 1st because they didn't have the money. Um, and they had to wait for the designations on Malik Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey. So you had that hurdle to deal with. Uh, then it becomes, you know, maybe an agent's doing something else with somebody else and they just got to get back to you. I, I imagine everybody is done. Uh, before they leave uh, Philadelphia, it's probably going to happen today. As a matter of fact, I'll know more when I get down there. Uh, who knows? They might even announce it before we get down there. While we're on the air, that'd be nice. Eagles, closed circuit. You might as well announce it. Now, the one thing I will throw in the mix, because you bring up Landon Dickerson, occasionally agents will balk over offset language. And to me, it's always, I've always described it as sort of that married couple that doesn't like each other and immense reasons to fight. That's sort of what uh, that wrangling of offset language has always meant to me, especially with first round picks, because you don't want to admit you made a mistake on a person. It's very rare, unless you look at the kid in Tennessee who just goes completely off the rails, you know, something weird happens it's very rare you're going to give up on a first round pick early in this contract now occasionally things happen injuries uh whatever and 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 you do get cut and you certainly they don't pick up your fifth year option rare occasion you get cut before the fourth year and in that instance teams want if somebody else picks you up you know they want that offset whatever they're going to pay you we don't have to pay it so that's sort of where the wrangling comes in. Um, with Landon's case, maybe it's a little bit more. Maybe the Eagles are pushing it uh, because of all the injuries. Uh, that that could be a, a, a slight hurdle, but I, I wouldn't think it would be serious at all. Right, because well, I, I, I think there's got to be something. You're trying to downplay it. And you could very well be right. You don't know. I don't know. You're giving uh, speculation and, and well-known uh, experience to the way that these things have shook up before in other places. It. I just am saying I never remember a team announcing the first-round draft pick signed, the third, the fourth, and the fifth. And sometimes there's extra thirds or no fourth, and you got fifth and sixth. I just don't remember a second-round draft pick being in the middle of draft pick announcements of signings being absentee. That there, I, I think there is. I think it's safe to say and read into it that there's something that it's not just. Well, Landon didn't want to get. We didn't push it. His agent was no. on vacation. No, I think there is something that is still being negotiated that hasn't been agreed upon yet. Now. Is it a massive thing that we have to go, oh, no, they're not going to get him signed. He's going to be a camp holdout. 
No, I don't believe that for a millisecond. But I do believe that there is something that, yeah, there's, I hope it doesn't lend itself to bad tidings. That one <laughs> of the two sides gets either ticked off and they look at the guy askance when he comes into camp or he looks at his coach askance when he finally gets there and signs on. I hope that's not the case, but I, I don't think it's uh, as easily dismissed as, well, it doesn't even, they, they stop, don't, so don't worry about it. No, I am worrying about it a little. Nah, stop. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> and and now where I was saying, well, you're right. I mean, there's something going on because if not, they would have signed everybody. All of them, They would yeah. have signed the six-round pick. Uh, that's why I say don't worry about it. I mean, the fact is that they have some salary cap issues. They had to create space to begin with. They're a little bit behind, although there's about – a little bit less than half of the first-round picks are signed, I think, around the league right now. So it's not like they're the only team. Um, my point is the system, as it's set up, it, there's not going to be a problem. That's that. I mean, they've eliminated that problem. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of wrangle room. Generally, again, I brought up offset language. Another way is, you know, money. Uh, how much is going to be up front? How much is going to be deferred? When do you, uh, when are these payments coming out? Sometimes they're staggered by a couple months. It could be as simple as that. My only point is he's not going to hold out. Is my I mean, there's no way to, to there, 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 he has no leverage. There's nothing he can do. Oh, but you uh, can say that, John. You can say that of every player. He has no leverage. No, everybody, no, has, everybody has the same leverage. No, you actually believe the Eagles still. are going to cut him? There's a rookie wage scale in the NFL through collective bargaining now. That's the difference. Starting in 2011 and, and moving through to the new CBA, that's the difference pre-CBA, uh, pre post-CBA. Back in the day, you used to have holdouts all the time. Guys would hold out for weeks and weeks and weeks. You know, Sam Bradford was the last bonus baby, so to speak, as the number one overall pick. Ever since that time, these are slotted positions. There's a rookie wage scale that everybody has agreed to. So, no, it's not going to – that's why I say, no, don't worry about it. There's nothing right. to worry about. The, the only thing that is being leveraged out is the amount of the signing bonus. That's the only thing that varies. Sixth and seventh, you're going to take whatever the hell you get your hands on. First round pick, yeah, basically the whole thing's guaranteed. That second and third round is where the amount of signing bonus, how much is guaranteed, does have some fluctuation to it. The overall amount of the contract is basically slotted. You're right. But how much of it is do you have to come in and sing for your supper and potentially not be able to perform and get cut or come in and earn your money? I, I do think there's a bit of a negotiation here. All right. Uh, we're going to take another quick timeout. We are told that Chris Russell is now ready to join us. He's going to join us next. Talk some Washington football to you here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life. Count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. 
Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Mega Mac guys here with you on Birds 365. John McMullen, Jody McDonald. You know our job is to keep you entertained and informed about the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, to do that, you got to give some information and insight on the competition on who the Eagles will be taking on this year. And no, twice this year, they'll be going up against the formerly known as the Redskins. I told you, I don't care about you know what, about if anybody gets ticked off. The Washington football team and joining us, despite the fact that he's got a little bit too much Air on the top of his head and not enough air on his chin. Uh, Redskins insider for 1067 The Fan down in D.C. Chris Russell jumps aboard with us. Hello, Chris. How are you, bud? Jody Mack, John. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, sorry about the hair. Uh, <laughs> and and, and I, I definitely have to get like you guys with the uh, yeah. w- w- with the well-seasoned, uh, what do you call it, goatee type okay, thing. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, no, I, well, I trust me. I shame my playoff here when the Capitals got eliminated in five by the Bruins. Uh, so you know, otherwise I would I would have been able to do better for you guys. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. you're much better off than we are, Chris. Be happy. And but I I hear you with the hockey beard. You know, yeah, a lot of people do that. Yeah, I want to start off. I want to start off quickly because this is my one of my favorite NFL jokes. What's your favorite bridge 
Golden Gate, Brooklyn, or Ryan Fitzpatrick? <laughs> but um, boom. <laughs> Ooh, uh, well, being that this is a football show, I, I I guess I'll I'll say my favorite bridge is Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? I love, he's my favorite bridge. Yeah, I, love I mean, listen, I I I know his his name, his personality, his career has kind of been a joke uh, in, in a lot of people's eyes, but I don't, I don't look moving forward. I, I think he's the ideal guy for them right now, because if you look at what it was going to cost them, if, if you, George Washington bridge, I don't know which one. Yeah, ex exactly. If you look at what it was going to cost them to move up for Justin Fields or for somebody like that, it was going to cost them a fortune, right? Russell Wilson didn't yeah. have them on their list, so that wasn't happening. Deshaun Watson, you know what that kind of mess is. Aaron Rodgers, forget about it, whether he's unhappy. So who else were you going to go with? Alex Smith was, as you guys saw in Week 17 – banging around on one leg. He didn't yeah. – they didn't want him back. Dwayne Haskins was a disaster. So where else were you going to go? Th this was the option. This was the option when you were sitting at number 19 and it cost too much, of course, to move up. So I have no problem with it, whether it's a one-year solution, whether it's a two-year solution. Right now he's only under a one-year deal, guys. But I, I, I would say this, just the little bit that I get to see at OTAs, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be the better, the best quarterback this organization has had clearly since Kirk Cousins. There is no doubt in my mind about that. And that's pre-healthy Alex Smith. Uh, it sounds like we all agree that it's Ryan Fitzpatrick's team uh, to do what he's going to do with. However, after Taylor Heineke played mm. in the playoff game last year, and he actually kept the Washington football team in the game, they yep. didn't win, and they lost to the eventual champion, which, again, no disgrace. And and Heineke was – he was okay. He was pretty good that day. Wasn't yep. great. Otherwise, he would have won the game. He wasn't, but he was good. They didn't get embarrassed. They could have got embarrassed. They were pretty aggressive in going out and linking him to a contract, paying him either good backup money or cheap starter money, and he wasn't going to get good starter money. But it was a little bit higher than I thought it was going to come in at just my – uh, understanding and grasp of quarterback numbers and salaries around the league. I wasn't sure what the Redskins were going to do, and they did that first, and then they got Fitzpatrick done. Is there any competition at all here? If you go into camp, and because we know he's Fitzmagic, he's Fitztragic. Right. You never know which one you're going to get. He can go both ways. He can go phenomenal or god-awful. If it's heavy god-awful in preseason, can Heineke actually take that job? I don't think Fitzpatrick's going to play a ton in the preseason, number one. Number two, uh, I, look, I, I know where you're getting at, Jody Mack. I, I, I mean, I could certainly not rule out any, any kind of crazy scenario. But to me, as, as much as they kind of like Taylor Heineke, what people have to remember is, number one, against Tampa that night, no Vita Vea and no Devin White two of their best defensive defensive players that's number 1 number 2 remember Taylor Heineke was at ODU finishing up his yeah. his grad work until early November he was their uh, let me see 1 2 3 yeah he was their uh fifth quarterback of choice last year okay and the reason why he caught on and got an invite as a covid quarterback is because you remember the whole 
uh, situation with the Denver Broncos when they didn't have a quarterback to play that one weekend. Yeah. But the only reason why they brought him in and because he had been with the Carolina Panthers, so he knew the terminology, so he could he could like be available without having to learn the system because he already knew much of the system from in Carolina. So, yeah, they signed him to this two-year deal. It, you want to talk about a bridge deal? That's essentially a bridge deal. It's not even like good backup money, quite honestly. But it's better money than Taylor Heineke was making. I mean, and, and, and he goes out and has this great performance against Tampa. He also played well in a fourth quarter against Seattle. Uh, I'm sorry, against Carolina in week 16. Um, but he's not. I would say this. If Taylor Heineke's got to start more than one or two games for you, you're in trouble. Yeah. If Taylor Heineke has to start one game, finish up a game, you're okay. Don't don't also rule out a guy, Kyle Allen, who actually was brought here via trade and was with Ron and, and Scott Turner in Carolina and actually played, uh, what, 13 or 14 games the year that Cam Newton got hurt, yeah. the year that Rivera got fired. So don't forget about him. That's what I was going to ask you, Chris. So nice segue. I mean, Ron Rivera likes Kyle Allen. Can yep. Taylor Heineke even hang off? Uh, you know, hold off Kyle Allen to be the backup quarterback. Uh, and you know, uh, Taylor was is a smart guy. He was going to mm -hmm. be an engineer. So, yep. you know, uh, I'm not sure this is long term. Uh, I give Taylor all the credit when he was back in Minnesota. You guys probably know the story when he put his foot through a door. Yeah, like he was he was in a position to be a big time backup, but. I look at Kyle Allen and say he's probably more of Ron Rivera's choice uh, to be sort of that 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 backup quarterback if Ron Fitzpatrick has a as a really really poor stretch. Yeah, John, I agree with you. I think I think Kyle Allen's the number two guy, even though last week he was he was number three because he's working back from offseason yeah. surgery. The only question uh, that I have right now about him is whether he's going to be 100% healthy for training camp. Like, he, we talked to him yesterday, and he said that's the goal. But you guys know, like, athletes are always going to say, well, you know, my goal, my plan, whatever. But we don't know if he's actually going to be ready to go. And does that set him back in any sort of competition? That's the competition in my eyes. It's for the number two quarterback between Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen. But if all things are equal and everybody's healthy, and that's a big problem because neither Heineke nor Allen have been able to stay healthy in their careers, I think the job is Allen then Heineke. But I think Heineke is on this roster, uh, and I think he makes it. And I think part of the reason why they didn't more aggressively go after a young rookie quarterback or whatever was because they felt, okay, we have not one, but two adequate backups or guys that in a pinch could play. Like everybody killed Doug Peterson, right, for Nate Sudfeld week 17. I'm sure you guys have talked about that a time or 3,000, right? <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I, I like Nate. He was drafted here, a nice kid, but he wasn't prepared to play. But they feel Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke can absolutely play in a pinch if they need. So that's why, again, I think they went the, the veteran bridge route and not the all-in route. If you're going to refer to the former Redskin, and they were the Redskins when he was there yes. and Eagle quarterback, 
you must uh, call him the unstoppable Nate Sudfeld. The unstoppable. That's what the <laughs> owner of the Philadelphia Eagles uh, referred to him as. Hey, uh, listen, was- Kyle, Shan- Kyle Shanahan must think something of him because he caught on there and they got about 17 quarterbacks. But, yeah, you know, like I covered Kyle Shanahan for four years here in Washington. I know what makes him tick pretty well. Kyle Shanahan doesn't like bad quarterbacks, so he must see something in them, you know? Because well, Jeff Lurie called him unstoppable. Yeah. Uh, we want to move on uh, to the defensive line. Uh, we debated yeah. what the Eagles were going to do during this offseason from the time we started the show a couple months ago, and I thought they needed an upgrade, and I mentioned a couple of veteran defensive ends who hadn't signed quickly in free agency, and one of them was Ryan Kerrigan, and John continued to tell me, they're not going to do that. They're they're They're, they're – in a transition period, they're not going to bring in a veteran guy. Well, they brought him in. They brought him in inexpensively, surprisingly mm-hmm. to John and myself here, that they were able to get him for the amount of money that they did. What happened between he and the Washington football team? I understand he wasn't going to get uh, starting time anymore. He had lost his starting position. The Redskins are going younger and better. But he was a guy who came off the bench and did some things for him last year. He could be a, could have been part of the rotation again this year. Why the divorce between he and the Washington football team? So a a couple of things. I mean, obviously, as a free agent, uh, you you know, you can classify that as a divorce or you can just (laughs) classify it as the end of time. Right. Um, But but I would say this. If you look at Ryan, he had five and a half sacks in his first. uh, Let me see. Like, I think nine games last year. Maybe it was eight games in a very, 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 very limited role. And then he didn't have any sacks, any quarterback hits in his final seven games, including the playoff games. So I think that, you know, kind of told them, hey, look, this guy wants to be a starter. He wants to play more. But yet, like as we gave him a little bit more work and as we gave him a little bit as the season wore on, he wasn't he didn't have the same pop that he had earlier in the year. And you guys remember in week one against Carson Wentz and that famed Philadelphia Eagles offensive line, how good Ryan Kerrigan was, two sacks, a bunch yeah. of, you know, a, a forced fumble, I think. He was NFC uh, Defensive Player of the Week, all that. So, you know, you know he, he kind of, even though they had kept his snaps limited earlier in the year, he didn't have that same, you know, late season pop, if you will, that he had shown in other years when, you know, in 2017, 2018, guys, he had, 13, I think it was 13 or 13 and a half sacks yeah. each of those two years. You know, um, so so look, I love Ryan. I've covered him since before he became a member of the Washington, whatever they are. Um, and I, I got to know him really well. I just had him on my radio show a couple of weeks ago, right after he signed with Philadelphia. He told me he was really intrigued, you know, by what the new defensive coordinator and system that they're uh, setting up there in Philadelphia, which is going to allow him to not only be a 4-3 end at times, but also maybe work in some principles of the 3-4 edge uh, and maybe kick down inside and nickel like closer to the football uh, over the center, which is always a way that I think you can maximize mm-hmm. a little bit more out of Ryan Kerrigan because he's not a speed guy. He's not a move guy like with uh, you know uh spin spin moves or or rips and and all that stuff he's more of a bull rush get your hands into him and drive somebody back or win with strength so to me i think it's it's 
if Philly's using him right, and, and I Washington didn't use him as much this way, and I thought they should have over the course of his career, so a lot of defensive coordinators, I think they should use him more inside where he can get a more straight and direct line and path to the quarterback. That's just my view. Uh, he's not a great run stopper, but he's not horrible. He's an effort guy. He's a leader. He's a captain. He's everything you want from a human being. I love Ryan Kerrigan, but – you know, is he going to come in and get you 13 sacks? Probably not. Is he going to play most Sundays? He's only missed three games in his career, four, uh, four games in his career, yeah. three and a half games in his career. So, I mean, you know, he's pretty reliable. Hey, Chris, you know, to me, I have to talk about why Ryan wasn't playing in Washington. And that's the best defensive line in football. Uh, when I saw Chase Young go to Washington – I said, that's bad news for the Eagles for about yeah. 10 years. I yeah. mean, that guy is going to be a superstar. You talk about Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen inside, Montez Sweat on the edge. That's where this team is built. That's where this team starts. How good is that group, and how much better are they going to get as Chase Young continues to improve? Yeah, no doubt, John. I mean, I mean that's the strength. That's where they've overdrafted. In my opinion and others, uh, you mentioned uh, Deron Payne. Jonathan Allen was was drafted one you know one year ahead of them in the first round. Payne, obviously, uh, both in the mid teens. Uh, then Sweat and and they wanted Sweat at fifteen in two thousand nineteen. And Dan Snyder came off the yacht, as Jay Gruden likes to say, <laughs> and forced them to take Dwayne Haskins. So you know, I, and, and then. Uh, you, with a new administration, Chase Young is just sitting there at number two. Now, they could have gone to uh, – I think that would have been a mistake. I admit I was wrong on Justin Herbert. I think a lot of people were wrong. Yeah. I, I didn't think Justin Herbert would be as good as he was. So, you know, I'll, I'll own up to that. I didn't think – uh, I didn't think Herbert was worth the number two overall pick. I thought it was the right pick, even though they, had, again, had overinvested in the defensive line. One other, you know, thing we should point out, guys – they have Temple's Matt Ioannidis as well coming back from a torn bicep. And he is a guy that was their best pass rusher up until, you know, Chase Young and, and, and really Montez Sweat kind of in year two for him and Chase Young last year kind of showed up. He was out much of last year. He was hurt early in week three and missed the rest of the year. And then a guy like Tim Settle is a sixth defensive uh, lineman, a defensive tackle that makes up the depth. So when you're rolling out those guys, and I'm telling you, Montez Sweat might be the best of them all when it's all said and done in terms of his range, his his frame, his wingspan to knock down uh, passes. Um, I saw him jack up a right tackle the other day in practice. I mean, the guy is just country strong, and he's got some developing moves is what I would say. And Chase Young, listen, he's going to get all the headlines. Um, I, I understand why. I think he can get better, though, in terms of when he doesn't win off the first step. And initially, I think where he has to really get better in year two and beyond is, again, developing those counter moves, something that Kerrigan, quite honestly, never really fully developed either. And it's harder. It, it's hard to say, just do this and you'll be successful. Well, you don't have a lot of time to do this if you're not good at it naturally. I think Chase has to get better at that in that regard. But there is no doubt this defensive line, six, seven guys 
are really the strength. And you guys remember what happened with Philadelphia in the Super Bowl year and what happened to the Giants with that NASCAR package. Yeah. That's how you yeah. win Super Bowls. Yeah. Chris, I uh, referred to the division that both uh, teams played in last year as the NFC least because it earned that designation. It was a bad division. Um, but on draft night and the second and the third night, I said, well, at least the NFC lease was improved. Everybody here in Philadelphia was excited about the Eagles draft led by Devonta Smith. I said, they're not the only team in the division that did well. I like the Giants trade back and they got future assets. I think the Dallas Cowboys filled needs. And I think your Washington team, team did pretty well, at least with the top three draft picks. Jamin uh, Davis probably going to start. Diami Brown and Samuel Cosme chance to compete for jobs. Give me your read on the draft and how much immediate impact it can pay in 2021 for the Washington football team. Yeah, you know, I, I think it was a good draft. I don't know if it was a great A, A plus, whatever, you know, A minus. I mean, who knows? I mean, obviously we got to wait a couple of years. You know, I gave it a B, you know, just on the initial surface because I thought Jamin Davis was a guy that gives them positional versatility. He's going to start, if if nothing goes wrong from here until the start of the season, guys, he's going to start at the Mike linebacker, which, you know, they had originally told us, while he certainly could play the Mike, uh, and that's what he did at Kentucky, that they were going to start him outside. But he's they're, they're trying to shove it down, you know, basically, uh, for, for lack of a better term, his throat to, to learn the defense and to make the adjustments and the calls and to get him ready to be the mic right from day one. Now, assuming it goes the way it is, that's what you'll see week one against the L.A. Chargers. Uh, and who knows what will happen by the time the Eagles uh, and, and Washington meet up. Um, so, you know, you look at him and and again, I think he's going to be a really good player. Now, is he going to be Luke Keekley, which everybody, oh, this is Rivera's Luke Keekley. I mean, really? Like, yeah, I, that's Luke tough. Was a that's a one fair, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, can we let the kid play one snap first before yeah. we say he's, you know, Ron? You, you guys get the point. You guys yeah, have yeah. done this long enough. So, um, Cosme, I liked at fifty-one. I did not like at nineteen because I thought he's really athletic. And they say he can push the pile, but I didn't see that a whole lot on tape. I saw athleticism. I know he's fast. I know he can move. And I know if he's at right tackle, he's going to, you know, like a lot of people think, oh, at right tackle, you know, you got to be this 335-pound road grader. No, not – I mean, that hasn't been true for the last five – you know, you guys know what Lane Johnson, yeah. right? If you yeah. can't mirror a great pass rusher on the right side, how do you block Khalil Mack who lines up on the left side? How do you block Orion Kerrigan who for much of his career lined up on the left side of a defense and so on and so forth? You have to be really athletic and really good on that side now because teams have countered with, oh, you're going to load up on the left side – uh, at, at left tackle, well, we're we're going to switch our best pass rusher to the left side of the defense, the right side of your offense. Yeah. Line. So, I think Cosme and this guy Cornelius Lucas, who played left, save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of thirteen timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. 
It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Tackle last year, but it's more of a right tackle. They'll battle it out for camp. I, I would guess Cosme probably starts you know, early to midway through the season, if not before. Um, but I definitely think you'll see a lot of them probably by the time uh, they play the birds uh, in, in December. And uh, I guess it's early January. And then real quickly, Deami Brown, you match him with Curtis Samuel, who they brought over from Carolina and Terry McLaurin. Whew. I mean, you guys know what Philly's going to expect from Devonte Smith, right? The light yeah. out speed, the game breaking ability, the home run, they have three guys that can hit home runs now. Uh, Chris, Chris, I wanted to talk to you about a player that interests me personally because I'm just so intrigued by him, and that's Benjamin St. Juice. So you mentioned Love you him. were at practice. Yeah. What, what have you seen from him early on? And also Casey Tuhill, our old friend yeah. in Philadelphia that, that Washington picked him up on waivers. Looks like he's spitting in at linebacker now. Is that correct? Uh, well, John, I, I've seen him. I, I've seen him a little bit at both. I mean, I've seen him line up. Uh, you know, because Chase Young and Montez Sweat have been in and out for well, yeah. Chase Young hasn't been here at all. Uh, and 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 Montez Sweat missed last week, but he was here this week. I saw him more at at, at defensive end. Uh, but I've seen him, you know, kind of mix and match because they're trying to find positional versatility for these guys. Uh, and linebacker is still their quote unquote weakness, right? So if you can play, if you can contribute as an edge guy, you know, remember they lost not only Kerrigan, but Ryan Anderson uh, to the Giants, right? And they were coming from a 3 4 to a 4 3, you know, but you can still morph and still have some blended. Uh, I guess, hybrid schemes, right, and some different looks when you need a little something different. So uh, they're looking for guys that can play not just one position but two. So that's Casey Tuhill. You know, I think he looks fine. I mean, I, I didn't see anything that made me go, wow, you know, but I think he he's definitely been getting some one reps uh, in the couple of practices that we've been allowed out there. But, again, that's mostly because – no chase young Montez sweat about St. Juice. I love him. Uh, that was a guy I, on night two of the draft before the second round started, I said, if Washington could walk away with Benjamin St. Juice, you know, by the time this night is over and they had, you know, second round pick Cosme and two third round picks, I said, I'll be a happy man because he's six, two and a half. He can man press. They're going to be a lot more man coverage and man press this year. Uh, that's what Jack Del Rio wanted to do last year. Uh, but really, Ronald Darby, who you guys know well, couldn't really mm -hmm. hold up. Or, you know, remember in week one, Jalen Rager, the rookie, just blew past yep. him for a big 50 plus. You know, he there was a couple of times after that 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 happened, and he couldn't really play man and jam at the line of scrimmage a whole lot because Darby would get exposed. Kendall Fuller would get exposed from time to time. They're going to be more. 60, 65% man this year. St. Just fits in great there. William Jackson, the third from football, Siberia and Cincinnati is a <laughs> man on your hip corner. Uh, you know, that's going to be a great matchup. If, if Devontae Smith is Devontae Smith, you put William Jackson the third and 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 uh, and and Devonte Smith together in late December. That's going to be fun. That's going to grab your popcorn, as To used to say. Right? We're going to have some fun with that matchup. But they're going to be more man press. Um, and I wonder if it kicks Kendall Fuller inside guys 
Last year, when they brought him back from Kansas City, he was always outside because they didn't have anybody to pair with Darby. Um, they, they just didn't have anybody. So Fuller, when he's been at his best in both Washington the previous time before the Alex Smith trade and in Kansas City, I think he's a better slot corner where he can use some of his physicality against smaller, shiftier guys as opposed to going against 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", Giants uh, on the outside. So to me, I that's how I see if St. Just is who I think he is, who his defensive coordinator thinks he is. What I've seen a little bit of out in just brief OTAs, I think those are the two starters, he and WJ3, and then Kendall Fuller in the middle, uh, in the slot. Chris, great stuff. We appreciate you coming on board. Now that you're part of the family, we will be tapping into you again when we get a little closer to the season. We do want to go behind enemy lines, touch base with the Eagles opponents as we get ready for the season. Thanks for filling in some of the blanks for us today. Yeah, I love you guys both. Uh, anytime you need me, uh, sorry for being late. Uh, you know, your boy was up late watching hockey last night and other things. So, uh, <laughs> and you know, the shade. Uh, you didn't watch LeBron get back. I, I, I watched a little bit. Jody, Jody, I got a problem. I, I, you know, I get a little stubborn. I, I'm, I'm not Mr. NBA. I mean, I like it, but I, I, I can't watch the constant timeouts and all, you know, like the last couple of minutes. Uh, you're, of the game. You're, a, you're a hockey head. Admit yeah. to it. You're a Redskin guy. I, more I than am. I, you're yeah. a hockey head. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll admit I'm a hockey head. I, you know, I, I mean, I've got That's a thing for the puck, you know? You it's a yin it. and yang. We got a hockey guy. I'm an NBA guy. So that's how you have it. That, that's it's good you stuff. We uh, Thanks, appreciate, appreciate you having me. Thanks, Chris. We'll reach out again. Thanks for hopping on with us today. Thanks, guys. Great special. Uh, Eagles, uh, excuse me, the Washington football team insider for 1067 The Fan down in D.C. Uh, giving us some good... By the way, Jody, he gave us great intel on Ryan Kerrigan. Ryan Kerrigan wouldn't tell us anything. He's telling Chris everything he's going to do. Okay. I'm excited because that's what I thought was going to happen. They were going to use him in that A-gap look that the Vikings use, and as a stand-up edge rusher, do a lot of different things. He's like, you know, they're very close to the best at Philadelphia to say the least. They don't want these guys saying anything. And meanwhile, Ron Kerrigan's going on with his friend, Chris Russell, who he's known for years, and he's letting the cat out of the bag. So that's exciting for me. That's why people got to watch Birds 365. Yeah. We, we'll get you eagle information, even if we get it in through the back door with yes, a Washington football team guy. You'll we we backdoored it, and it was brilliant, by the way. It is. Uh, that's what we're here for. He is John McBone. I'm Jody McDonald. We'll take a timeout. Come back. We do have another good guest coming your way. Details on that next year on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fuck. 
What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. We are the Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. That kind of caught up on us here. My bad. Uh, wasn't ready. The music kind of zotzed out on us pretty quickly, but we'll be hanging with you for another, oh, 50 some odd minutes. And we do have another guest scheduled to join us coming up in a couple of minutes from now. Uh, that would be Mike Tanya from footballoutsiders.com. Um, John, practice today for the birds. You'll be down there on the grass. Uh, how long you guys got? Uh, how do you think this will compare? Are, are they actually advancing in their off-season program? Is it uh, you expect it to be much the same as you got last time you were on the grass? What do you think the Eagles are looking to get done here in phase three? Yeah, this is it, by the way. This is I, the last time we're going to see the Eagles until really August, because even though training camp starts July 27th, you have this ramp up period now where essentially you can't do anything for the first week. So um, this is going to be it. Our last look at the Eagles, it's going to be about 30 minutes. It's going to be individual drills. Remember the Eagles are one of those teams, not having a mandatory mandatory mini camp. They're one of those teams that, <clears throat> excuse me, um, has scaled back work. There's no teamwork, no seven on sevens, no 11 on 11s. That's not the case in some cities. Some cities are, having a more normal offseason, you know, is that going to hurt a rookie coaching staff? I don't know. Um, Look, it is what it is. We've been calling it a gathering 
Um, I don't think it's it's necessarily uh, positive for the younger players especially, but um, that's what Nick Sirianni has to work with. That's what he's working with, and, and we'll see how it all shakes out. You know, one thing I did want to circle back to because I was trying to get it up. We were talking about Landon Dickerson and his contract. Um, this is why I said, Jody, don't worry about it. I can already tell you what the contract is going to be, so I was looking it up. He's going to get $8.6 million. He's going to get a signing bonus of $3.6 million. Cap hit's going to be $1.5 million. Um, salaries, his salaries are going to be $1.6, one, up to 2, up to 2.36, up to 2.754. My point is it's slotted. That's why I said don't worry about it. And then the second part with Chris Russell, again, I, I – I got to harp on that Ryan Kerrigan part. I think that gives you maybe the best indication of what Jonathan Gannon is going to be as a defensive coordinator to this point. I've speculated. A lot of people have speculated that you're going to see a lot of Mike Zimmer influence. We just confirmed that on birds 365. That's Mike Zimmer. What Ryan Kerrigan was saying, that's Mike Zimmer's defense. Understood. Um, I, I, I uh, don't know where you're getting that uh, Landon Dickerson information. I, I think that's generally speaking, there is some wiggle room in those numbers that you just put out there, specifically in the amount of uh, a bonus money, signing money, guaranteed money. That can move and does move with players. Generally speaking, the overall money is going to be locked into what you stated. But I think that's what they're negotiating right now. Uh, you mentioned it earlier, and I think you hit it spot on. The offset money, in yeah, case there, in case there is injury <laughs> issues, and oh, by the way, that's a pretty fair question with Landon Dickerson injury issues that the team wants to cover their backside. They're probably fighting for some pretty big offset monies, and his agent is probably trying to limit it as best they can. I do think it's a situation that's worth keeping your eyes on. Because I just don't remember teams announcing their first round draft pick, their third round draft pick, their fourth round draft, and their fifth round draft pick. Well, why'd you skip over two? There's got to be a little bit of a rub there. We don't know what the rub is. We don't know how big the rub is. But I do think it's worthy uh, keeping our eye on. I, I do have uh, one other question for you, and we're, then we're hoping to get Mike Tanya up here from Football Outsiders. Um, I did see a story about the 49ers and the Chargers getting together for organized practices the week prior to the week they're scheduled to play each other in the preseason. Now, we know that the preseason is now down to three games because the regular season is up to 17 games. So you don't have the usual four games. And my guess is that those two teams are playing early in the preseason. We've seen the Eagles do this before, have organized practices and run a little scrimmage action against the team if they're going to play them during the preseason. Um, the Eagles early in the preseason are scheduled to play the Steelers this year. New England won their preseason, and the last one, as always, hasn't changed. The more things change, the more they stay the game, same. The final preseason game against the Jets, although they still haven't picked that date out yet. That date is not officially locked in, but we know it's going to be more than a week before the uh, season opener. Um, do you expect the Eagles to do that 
practice slash scrimmage thing again. They did it a couple of times over the last decade, but not every year. Have you heard anything about them potentially doing that this season? Uh, not yet, but, I, you know, it depends on the coach. I mean, Doug Peterson loved joint practices. Uh, he would always say that you could get more work done in a joint practice than a, a, a preseason game because you could script things. In other words, if you want to work on red zone or third downs or goal line, you could script it, whereas if you're in a, a an, an actual uh, game, you got to hope that, you know, it unveils itself in, in the natural sort of evolution of the game itself. So he always thought you could get more work accomplished in joint practices. It, it's always, you know, sort of the, the head coaches, you know, does Nick Sirianni want it? Uh, does Robert Sala want it? Um, you know, and it generally happens. I think Minnesota and Denver also announced they're having joint practices before a preseason game. So it always comes down to the two organizations Usually happens when a team is coming in. Uh, they'll come in a few days early and have a couple joint practices, then play the game. So it's always up to the two head coaches and what they want to get done. But for the most part, coaches seem to like uh, as where we are in sort of the current NFL that we talk about all the time. They tend to like joint practices because they think they can gotta, get a lot of work accomplished. Right. And uh, again, just from memory off the top of my head, it is usually earlier in the preseason. Now, earlier used to be week one or week two. Well, we only have three weeks now. So is earlier just week one or is it week one or week two? It's probably not week three. So it's probably not going to be the Jets. Um, and oh, by the way, yes, the Eagles and the Jets do play in the season, which from well, time I, to time, you I know, think... One of one of my favorite things, Jody, real quick, I got to tell you this, was New England came in uh, for joint practices with the Eagles. I got to see Tom Brady on one-on-one -on -one drills against the Eagles defensive back. I have never heard more expletives in my life. That's how accurate Tom Brady was. It was amazing on the field. And, you know, you're seeing other quarterbacks, and uh, it's not the same. And all of a sudden, you would see, you know, Brady put it on the back shoulder, and you'd see right, it was right on the side field at the Novacare Complex for anybody who was there. So I was five feet away from the receivers and, and, and the cornerbacks walking back after the rep, and it was just a constant barrage of F-words and shaking the heads. Uh, it was unbelievable. It's one of the, the most exciting things I've ever seen, and I've been covering this league for a long time. It was just different when he would throw the football. It might be the New England Patriots who come in for an organized practice this year. Again, only that Brady guy isn't going to be coming in. If the Not Patriots the same, are yeah. He would be a Buccaneer champion now. All right, uh, we'll take a time out here. We're hoping to hear from Mike Tenure, uh, football outsiders, and does some writing for the New York Times as well. Uh, we'll talk all things NFL with an eagle slant with Mike Tenure, hopefully next here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. 
Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Mega Mac guys, you are 365, John McMahon. We do have a uh, guest joining us, as you can see him in our uh, three screen here. Also a member of the Great Goatee Club. <laughs> as a matter of fact, for Football Outsiders and the New York Times, Mike Tyner joins us here on Birds 365. How are you this morning, Mike? I'm, I'm great. I'm used to being the grayest goatee. Nah, on this not even close, Mike. Not even close. Yeah. Five to 15 years behind you guys. And I'm hiding... The other element of there up top, I'm 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 subtly like pretending that there's a full head of hair under here. Yeah. There's no use pretending at this point, so I've <laughs> I've given in. I tapped out to that, but thrilled to have you on, Mike. I do want to, you know, Mike's a Jersey guy, so he's got his foot. He knows uh, with the Eagles, also league wide. So we're we're going to get into a bunch of topics with you, Mike. But I do want to start with the Eagles. It's Birds three sixty five. So I think from a national perspective, we've seen these power rankings coming from everybody. Point is, nobody thinks much of this football team. It seems locally the Eagles, for one, think they're a little bit better than other people think they are. Where do you come down with that? 
Yeah, I don't get this sense of oh, we're a rebuilding team coming out of the Eagles, like sort of the mentality. Now, no team likes to signal that. I guess unless you were like the Browns and you cut everybody and you were talking about, you know, money ball and things like that. Most teams don't like to signal their rebuilding. It doesn't seem like the Eagles are in any way signaling their rebuilding. The flip side of that is we're working at Football Outsiders on our annual almanac. We've been getting the, the statistical projections coming through and the Eagles are coming out as a seven and 10 team. Now, seven and 10 might be better than some of the uh, other national yeah. outlets think of that team, but that's still, you know, that would have been six and 10 last year, I think, in most uh, things. That's not a great team. That's a rebuilding team. And it's hard to like, like stack up things that are happening with the Eagles and, and, and say that they're going to be appreciably better than that. Now, it's you interesting you say seven and 10. And, sorry, seven and 10. You got to get used to that. I want to hear yeah. six and 10, eight and eight, right. seven and 10 now. We all got to get used to that. Yeah, and like I actually was looking at the projections, and it was like seven point two, and I was like, "Oh, seven and nine, and I was ready to say seven and nine. Like, <laughs> that's a different thing. It's like, oh, it's better yeah. than we thought it would be. Yes, there's an extra game. Yeah, yeah, and we'll see how that extra game plays out and shakes out. All right, uh, on the projection front, if you got the Eagles at seven and ten, how much of that is because of their starting quarterback, who we don't know who he is because the Eagles refuse to name him, but we all believe it's going to be Jalen Hurts. <laughs> what are the early projections as per uh, you guys number crunching for the kind of season Jalen Hurts is going to have? We're plugging in sort of a rookie scrambler, like basic package for Jalen Hurts. You know, a lot of times when you're doing projections and you're like, okay, uh, they're going to be starting a very young quarterback. Well, a lot of times it's a rookie first round pick, second round pick, you know they're going to they're mobile. They're going to be running some options. You kind of have like a package, and you put that in there, and you say that's what it's going to be. Not that much different for Jalen Hurts coming off a handful of starts. I know that Aaron Schatz tweaked it a little bit to reflect some of the things he did last year, good and bad. You have to look at the big plays he made. You have to look at the fumbles. You got to put that in the projection. I think when you get to seven wins, seven and ten, uh, and I know the way we do things at Football Outsiders, it starts with veteran offensive line. And when we start putting variables together and you say, okay, Brooks is back. Apparently he's healthy. Plug that in. Kelsey's back. Apparently he's still ready to go. He's still playing at a high level. Put that in. Lane Johnson, you put that in. You put those factors in there and that elevates you over teams like, let's say, the Cincinnati Bengals uh, in, in, who are like, oh, they're throwing guys in there at the offensive line. So that's one of the reasons. And it's one of the reasons for optimism. For Hurts, obviously, because a lot of times a young quarterback is put behind a garbage line. The one thing the Eagles don't appear to have, while everyone's healthy, is a bad offensive line. You know, Mike, it's interesting you talk about evaluation, projections. How do you project a Green Bay Packers team? Or do you just do it two ways? You put Aaron Rodgers in, you take him out. Because I think it's really different yes. in each category. That's what we do at Football Outsiders. Now, I think in the case of Aaron Rodgers, we have him put in. And when we talk to people, it's with him put in. Yeah. And then we have, I know in the back pocket, we have a projection with him taken out. And it's not just a projection for the Packers. It's one for the Bears. It's one for every opponent. You know, it's one for the Vikings, et cetera. So that's how we do it. I know for a fact that right now we have a Houston project, a Houston Texans projection, and it is with Deshaun Watson unavailable. So it is a miserable projection. I could pull it up here very quick, and it's like uh, like six point four wins. I think it is uh, better than I thought it would be. Yeah, I'll, I was, I was I'll, I'll still take the under on that yeah. one. Even I about I'll take under six point four. <laughs> I think I would too. I was expecting to see two point four when I flicked the my, my screen up there. But you know, if he you know if he's cleared of everything and he's happy and he comes back, that would go up. I guess about a win uh, based on the fact that you know you're going from 
terrible quarterbacking to really well above average quarterbacking. Mike, I want to ask you about a story that I don't think is getting quite enough pub, and I think it will grow when we get closer to camp and uh, that much closer to the season. And that's the vaccinated players. The yeah. NFL has protocols in place where if you can get up to 85% of your player vaccinated, vaccinated mm-hmm. then protocols get easier and you can do more mm-hmm. and right. you don't have to wear. And, and you can probably project that they will be more ready for the start of the season than others. Yeah. Some teams have already stated we're close. I don't know that there's any one team that's already said, we're already at 85%, so we've accomplished what we needed to, to get ourselves in the best position to be able to just not have to deal with protocols. How, when are we going to know more hard data, raw data on how many teams have how many players vaccinated? And do you think if we get into August that players vaccinated status will actually have an impact on those players 48 through 56 (laughs) that are on the bubble for making the roster and not making the roster. If you are unvaccinated, could that actually be something that a team would look at? Yeah. If I'm a player 40 through 90 on the roster right now, like I'm double checking all of my weird sources that tell me I shouldn't get vaccinated. That is, and and, and we're going to see where these guys are after they couldn't have lunch with the other guys you know, during OTAs, they couldn't do this with the other guys in OTAs. They couldn't do that, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's going to be a motivator that some of these guys are like, oh, I'm not doing it for blah, blah, blah. They're going to hear from it and go back. I'll tell you now, the, the handful of players I talk to uh, are vaccinated. They're also the handful of players that will actually talk to me like during the off season, like we'll be chit-chatting. So it might be a different type of guy than a guy who's like, oh, I'm an anti-vaxxer for ABCDA. <clears throat> I don't know what kind of hard data is going to become available. I don't know if the Players Association policy is on this in terms of a privacy issue because i know the players association once everybody vaccinated will encourage everybody will at the same time go the other side and say it's your right to choose and it's your right for nobody to know what you did or not so that will create a weird rift along the way bottom line is i think it's going to absolutely be a factor the moment you have seven guys competing for two roster spots on the back of the roster and somebody has a risk of popping a positive and still wearing a wearable tech thing and saying, oh, I, I, I was exposed to a positive. I'm gone for two weeks. That's going to be a, a major, major carrot for these guys. And I think that will pu- eventually push the NFL over the limit. Yeah, Mike, Buffalo's kind of been the jazz yeah. of this because I think Brandon, I think it was Brandon, not Sean, uh, came out and said, yeah, I'd consider cutting a guy. If yeah. what you just, you just explained might happen if you have a vaccinated guy versus an unvaccinated guy. Now, because of that, the players are getting inundated with yeah. questions around the bills, and they're not answering them. Right. So um, there is a privacy concern. There is a union concern. The union's yeah. always obviously going to fight for the rights of players. Right. So how difficult is this for the league to say, you know, we understand what Brandon Bean's saying. We agree with what Brandon Bean is saying, but you can't say what Brandon is saying. <laughs> How do you legislate that? And, and that's tricky. And I think they, they do it with these sort of clever little levers and dials and saying, you know, oh, we're not going to formally reprimand Brandon Bean. We're going to let it go quietly. And Josh Allen, you know, the quarterback, sounds like he's kind of anti-vaxxer. Yeah. And Cole yeah. Beasley was chirping at all of us for like oh, a, yeah, an yeah. hour or two on, on yeah. uh, about anti-vaxxer and everything. So it, I, on one hand, that's going to come out in the Washington Buffalo. If that's the if that's the, the battle happening there, 
Um, I'll tell you this. I was union leadership for years in, in, in the teachers association. And I used to say, you know, there, there's there's problems you run to and there's problems you walk to. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you run to save this person from this problem. And then you slowly walk because this person kind of dug their own, and I, dug their own grave, so to speak. Bad choice of words. Uh, but I think that's what the NFL is looking at right now. They want a certain thing. So they're going to put the protocols in and they have the medical and legal force to say, yeah, you can't eat with the other guys. Yeah, you still have to be virtual. Yeah, you still have to wear wearable tech where you, you were checking your contact when you're not vaccinated. They're going to do all that. All the other stuff, they'll kind of let it play out before they start going in and possibly uh, a hornet's nest in terms of privacy or union uh, union situations. Mike, why don't you take on this one uh, on my national radio show this weekend? I sung the praises of LeBron James and Patrick Mahomes because <laughs> they set the bar high. Mm-hmm. LeBron James said, all right, we don't have Anthony Davis. I got these big shoulders. I can take it on. We'll be, oops. Yeah. <laughs> uh, leg is around. And Patrick Mahomes said, there's only one record I care about this year, and that's 20-0. and 0. Yeah. I want to be the first quarterback to ever lead a team to 20-0. and 0. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. But I like your bravado, uh, uh, Patrick. Good for you that you are setting the bar that high. Right. How impossible is that going 20 and 0? We know there's an added game, which makes it more difficult for everybody. But the Chiefs are right there with the Broncos. I think we're going to see more predictions of same two teams in the Super Bowl than we have in a long time coming into the season. Has Mahomes got any kind of shot to make something like that happen? If the 2007 Patriots could not go 20 and 0, then that just tells you everything you know about how hard it is. And I don't think that as great as this Chiefs team is, they're as great as that team was just going around stomping people. And th- those teams were similar, by the way. And as last season played on, the Chiefs got more and more banged up. They got more and more beatable, and it came up in the Super Bowl. If you remember 2007, all the games where the Patriots won like 56-3 to or whatever early in the season. Then you, you, you lose a guy or two. They figure out how to defend it. Oh, you know, Randy Moss, make sure you got three guys on him. Make the other guys beat you. And it got to the point where, you know, the Giants kind of get lucky there. So you, you talk about the predictions, though. I mean, it's hard to predict anybody but the Chiefs coming out of the AFC. Yeah, yep. there is that constant, Mike, where the Chiefs are considered the best team. Obviously, yeah. but why? Uh, Tampa Bay, we'll, we'll see. Age comes into it at right. some at some point. Father Time's got to catch up. Yeah, uh, with Tom Brady, we don't know when that will be. But I, I want to hear a potential surprise. I don't know what what team is out there that maybe people don't say, "Oh, this is a legitimate Super Bowl contender." <laughs> but if so and so happens, you know, maybe uh, they can get in that conversation. Uh, well, Eagles fans are number three rank, our three top ranked teams at Football Outsiders in terms of wins in the coming season are the Buccaneers, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, not happening. Oh. <laughs> I, I come from a health. Uh, Reggie's looking over my shoulder. I come from a place <laughs> of skepticism here. And yet I'm, I'm required to go through the numbers. I'm writing the chapter for the Cowboys this year. You get okay. that Prescott back. You get their offense. Their entire offensive line was destroyed by yeah. You get him back, and their defense goes from literally we didn't even listen to the coach, and that's kind of where they were last year. Literally, we're not even listening to the head uh, the defensive coordinator Nolan. To oh, we're going to play a little bit. Factor in the fact that the Giants are going to be stink. Uh, Eagles are going to be struggling a little bit. You get a team that's going to win 10, 11, 12 games, and now you're in a, a division. You're in a conference where we don't know about Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, if he's fine, that's a team that you worry about. Yeah. 
Uh, Buccaneers are obviously, I mentioned them just now. They're a team to beat. Father time and the injuries. They had the best luck in terms of injuries. The entire offensive line was healthy. The entire defense was healthy. And there's some older guys there, not just Brady. There's older guys on that defense as well. They get a regular injury season. They could be another, they could be a, you know, wild card team. So put all those things together. Cowboys could be the team. You know, they always shoot themselves in the foot. But it's true. But that, uh, uh, that skill position talent is yes. pretty impressive. It is pretty impressive. And as Mike mentioned, Zach Martin, Teron Smith, if those guys are healthy, that's what we talk about in Philadelphia. If Lane Johnson's healthy, if Brandon Brooks is healthy, guess what? They got Zach Martin and Teron Smith. They're pretty right. good too. Right. Possible Hall of Famer, I think, in Martin, yeah. great player in Smith. They have Lyle Collins, who's a very good ball player on the right side. He was hurt last year. And if all those guys are healthy, it's Dak Prescott throwing to C.D. Lamb, throwing to a Mary yeah. Cooper, uh, throwing to Gallup, uh, Ezekiel on the back. Though. So it's not question marks out there. The only question mark was, would there be a quarterback alive to get them the ball? It looks like there will be because Prescott is healthy and the guys blocking for him look like right now they're healthy. And we don't believe Ben DiNucci's going to take a snap this year, which was <laughs> yeah. advantageous for the Eagles last year. Uh, I'll give you a team that I'm thinking about. Since China asked a question to you, I'll give you half an answer. Instead, I'll pose it as a question to you. As of right now, Mike, yours and or Football Outsiders rankings, you want to converge the two, feel free. What's your outlook on the NFC West right now? The four teams in the NFC West, which I think is going to be a very exciting division this year, how would you rank them? How would you rate them, the teams of the NFC West? Well, I'm looking at our ratings right now at Football Outsiders. We got Seattle number one is winning the division. We have the Rams second. Uh, we have the Cardinals third. <coughs> oh, no, we, excuse me. We have the 49ers second. I'm going to hold the phone here. I am as surprised as you are, followed by the Rams, <laughs> followed by the Cardinals. I look at the Seahawks, and I think we've been watching the Seahawks team for years. It's how far will Russell Wilson take them. That's the story every year. Got the talent around them. Looks like they've added some pieces on defense. I was surprised by that 49ers projection as well. But if we remember, you talk about injuries last year. Eagles last couple of years have had those injuries. 49ers have a ridiculous amount of injuries. Their quarterback, Garoppolo, he's obviously getting replaced this year. But they, all those great defenders that took them to the Super Bowl two years ago, so many of them were hurt last year. Injuries all over the receiving core. You put that roster together and you put whether it's Trey Lance or, you know, Garoppolo wins the job for a couple of weeks and he's a little bit more, uh, you know, he, he's playing lights out because he's trying to save his job. You put that together, you got a 49ers team that can win. I don't know what to say about the Rams. I don't believe in the math, Matthew Stafford Rams in any real way. I watched Matthew Stafford go nine and seven at best for years with the Lions, but now he's suddenly going to leave the Rams someplace. I don't see it. And uh, somebody on the Internet calls the Cardinals the Island of Misfit Toys. <laughs> and I love that because that's the place you know, you want. You got your really tiny quarterback. You got him. You've got all your safeties who are really linebackers who are really cornerbacks. They're all there. You got JJ yeah. Watt at the end of his career, AJ Green at the end of his career. They're all there. So it's like all these spare parts putting together. And I don't know how Cliff Kingsbury is going to put them together. That's uh, my team. Oh, by the yeah. way, that's my team. Really? I'm on the that's Island Arizona. of Misfits toys. I'm glad to hear you're picking them forth. <laughs> I actually think they can win that division. Shoot, I think they can win the NFC because if you're going to try and pick against the chalk, I, I'd rather take my shot against the Bucks than against the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are more uh, rooted as the top team in the AFC than the Bucks are in the NFC. So if you're going to take a rank outsider, give me the Cardinals. You probably should get 25 or 30 to 1 just yeah. to win the AFC this year if they're no better than Ford. Uh, NFC this year, if they're no better than fourth in their division, I think the misfit toys all come together and the Cardinals are going to be damn good. 
I have to look at their over-under and see what the win over-under is and see if there's any meat on that bone. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Football Outsiders is not a sanguine, but you can put that conversation together, mm-hmm. obviously, when you look at, like, the pieces and say, what if they fit? Mike, I want to go – I want to stick in the NFC West, go to the 49ers, because we've been talking about the quarterbacks. It's obvious what kind of impact Aaron Rodgers will have on, on the Packers if he's there or if he's not there. You know, one guy – that got hurt early last season. And if you think about the 49ers run to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. and what Nick Bosa meant yeah. to that team. Yeah. Uh, when you talk about position players, and this could be Julio Jones, guys on the market, Daniel Hunter in Minnesota. Look at look at that defense with Daniel Hunter. He got hurt. He wasn't there. Look at that defense without him. Right. How much impact can a position player uh, that's that dominant as a Nick Bosa was in his rookie season have on a team when you guys are, 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 are crunching the numbers. It can have a lot. Now, nobody has more impact than a quarterback, obviously. And, you know, when I talk about a quarterback, I might say a win in the standings. Remember, there's only 17 games. Yeah. So again, Oh, that's three losses. Well, it can't be three losses for one guy because then, you know, every team, no team would ever win with a backup quarterback. Nick Foles would never have happened. Um, but when you look especially at edge rushers and the overall pass rush, that can have a huge impact because that really dictates going back to the back seven there. So a guy like Bosa, and I think there were multiple injuries along that defensive yeah. front. It wasn't just Bosa. And, and they lost – Buckner uh, to free agency there, um, that changes the whole dynamic. And I think what happens with our projection for the 49ers is, and again, they, this Super Bowl team two years ago, this isn't hard to justify, but you know, if you plug in ordinary quarterbacking for the team, what do they do? The teams with the outstanding pass rushes that, that tend to go from year to year, you can rely on the pass rush to be great for several years in a row. They're going to be playoff teams with an ordinary quarterback. Maybe not with a subordinary quarterback, but with an ordinary one. Okay. And, and then when you factor in, well, what's the in the past, what has this coach done with like subpar quarterbacking? And you've seen obviously Kyle Shanahan's system. That's like, oh yeah, you 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 toss the ball to the tight end and he, he gets yak for you. You toss the ball to Debo Samuel, he gets yak. You put all that stuff in, and those guys can rise up. So position players can have an impact, and it's usually shut down corners who are rare. You don't get those anymore. And those edge rushers who are the guys who can really suddenly change the whole personality of a team. Mike, six NFL teams have new coaches this year. And we here in Philadelphia, one of those six, either by your rankings or your evaluation, which is going to be the most interesting and the guy who actually is able to get his team to step up and be improved from last year, which coach is most likely of the six newbies? The mo- I'm glad you said most interesting. We all know Urban Meyer is the most interesting. <laughs> and he has been nothing but interesting yeah. so far. But interesting is not always good. <laughs> In fact, it's no, often it not, not good. No, you know, sometimes you want a nice, boring head coach. I think Robert Soleil it, with the Jets and his staff there is go- has the combination that they can take a team that is very bad right now and improve them and kind of set the tone. Kind of do what the Bills did a couple of years ago with McDermott, mm. where you're not like catching fire with the Jets because they still need a year to rebuild, but they don't go out there and be this team that steps on a rake every week uh, like they've done in years past. And, you know, that's a team that I think can be much improved and, and is going to hit the ground and maybe get that that culture. And, you know, after Chip Kelly, we don't like talking about the culture. The, culture. <laughs> the, the Jets could use a cult. Adam Gase was like a, a culture yeah. in a Petri dish. You need a real culture. Yeah. Uh, Dan Campbell's also a lot of fun, and I like 
I kind of like ripping on Dan Campbell because he talks like a cave. I love Dan Campbell. Yeah. I love him. I don't know if he can coach, but I love him <laughs> from a just a journalism perspective. He's interesting. As yeah. you said, interesting isn't necessarily good, right. but it is interesting. He gives I love you, him. He gives you a quote. He gives you yeah. a real quote here, and he'll talk for real about some subjects. The staff is great. I think Anthony Lynn is a very good coordinator. They got FIP over there, Dave FIP coaching special yeah. team. Uh, so he's put together a very good staff and never underestimate the value of that. We talk about the head coach going down the position coaches and all. I think that's what helped Doug Peterson's staff be really, really good uh, uh, when it was good. Um, and I think that could really help Dan Campbell. And they got, our, they got our boy Deuce up there in Detroit yes. too, which we're, yes. we'll be uh, rooting for Deuce. Yes. Speaking, speaking of Deuce, there are some interesting stories. One of them, the concussion settlement, mm. uh, you know, you see, by the way, you see the union come out, Mike, with this Toradol statement. And I think everybody jumped to the conclusion uh, that, oh, nobody's going to use Toradol anymore. Um, guys are going to miss games. They urged him to limit Toradol use. Limit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> are, are these meaningful things when the NFLP, NFLPA comes out with a statement that says, oh, Guys, limit toward all use, or is it everybody's just going to go back to normal? It would be more useful if we, if they gave a limit number, like limit it to this many milligrams a year or something yeah. like that. Uh, I, and it's also got like all this stuff. I don't know that particularly because it is a medical thing. It had to be collective bargaining. The collective bargaining was last year. All right. So, and, yeah. and that's, and, and I go back to the OTAs, like we're having a thing about OTAs. The time for that conversation was last February before the, 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 um, uh, the vote, because I know I've been watching the NFLPA for years and the NFL owners. And if it don't cost the owners any money, they will just shovel it in. They will shovel it into any contract you add. And then it's like, well, 0.1% of the salary cap, that's what we fight over. So they could have shoveled in no OTAs. They could have shoveled in. Here's our list of painkillers that we agree to. And the owners have been like, yep, don't cost us no money. Yep, don't cost us no money. They didn't do that. The rear guard action here, I don't know how effective it is. It does send a signal to the players. They have relaxed the rules on medical cannabis, which creates an alternative painkiller. So there are some things that are getting done there, but that's not particularly phenomenal. And the the, the whole thing with the concussion settlement and the, and the racial element of that is I'm, I am not going to let the NFL off the hook here, but there's a problem in the entire testing industry. Mm -hmm. I come from teaching. Just about any test you have has a weird racial bias in it. So that does not let the NFL off the hook here, but this has been systematic for decades that, oh, we're doing some kind of neurological cognitive thing. And guess what? It's it's taking people of different races and it's evaluating them in different ways. And I think that that's some of this is a residue of that. Mike, last thing for me. And this kind of ties into relation between the players and the union and uh, collective bargaining and like uh, on the fringes. The term used in the NBA is load management. Oh, gosh. And it always gets my fingernail scratching on the board, and yeah. I can't stand. But it's an acknowledgement of we ask you to do a lot. We're going to agree on certain games, certain times of game. You guys are going to come out, even though it might not look like we're putting forth our best effort to win. Mm -hmm. The NFL is adding one game. It's one game. Right. When you think of the fact that they only play 16, one game is a decent little percentage side. Right. Are we going to hear that phrase thrown about <laughs> or something equivalent to it in football terms where players are actually not used, could be not activated, could be right. pulled early? Will there be load management in the NFL this year? 
they will not use that word, but it's already here. Oh, Fletcher Cox didn't play the last series, and then two series later, he doesn't play that series. All there's already load management. They don't just miss games like they do in the NBA. There's only 17 games, not 80. You're not going to uh, miss a game unless it's like the week 17, week 18. Uh, everybody's resting type of thing. So it's already there. There's a degree to which the sports science backs it up to to say if you want to be ready for January, you don't want to necessarily crush people in September. I don't think we're going to see it as such. I don't like it in the NBA for a couple of reasons. It's because when you buy that ticket to that game, you're especially yeah. when the, when you're the when yeah. you're the weak team and the other team's coming in, you're there to see that guy, that road player. And then that's his load day. I think that's ridiculous. I think if we played 15 minutes or something that would be better. But we're already seeing things like that in the NFL. We'll continue to see it. I think the big argument is not going to be in game. It's going to be this time of year. I think load management is going to start with what with the battle we're seeing right now is what do OTAs look like. Yeah, I agree with that, Mike. That's what the OTAs are, is load management yeah. now. And I want to take that forward because J.C. Treader said, hey, the product is better than ever yes. with less preparation. Do you agree with that? Do you agree the product was better than ever uh, with, with you know, less prep in the COVID-19 world? I didn't see any difference in the games last year. I thought they were exciting. I didn't notice, that, oh, this is clearly rusty players who didn't have a preseason things like that. It looked like the injuries were down. I think part of that was it was clear that the officials were calling fewer holding penalties yes, and think, a few yes. other things. So you, you have to like look at the variables. I'm going to be a yeah. football outsiders guy. Well, what were the variables? Well, one was there was no preseason. One was that they weren't calling holding as much and the games were peppier, et cetera, et cetera. So you have to take that into account. I would be worried to say, well, 2020 proves that we don't need any practice anymore. I don't, I think that's kind of silly. I think a union president can take that stance when he's trying to get a concession along the way. But I think in real life, it does show we can eliminate a few of these things. We could definitely eliminate one preseason game. We could probably eliminate two, uh, maybe three. We can OTAs can be individual drills. We do not need you and I need seven on sevens to talk about stuff. But the players, I don't think, need seven on sevens in OTAs. And I think a lot of this stuff they can open the box a little bit and, and take some things out and make things make the players better in December and January, potentially as a result. You can read him in the New York times. You can see his work on footballoutsiders.com. We enjoyed chatting him up today. We're going to do so again before the season gets underway. Mike, thank you much for hopping on with us. Have a uh, good football Friday, bud. We'll get back to you. Absolutely. Take care, everybody and enjoy your summer. That Thanks, is Mike. Mike Tanner here with us on uh, Birds 365. <laughs> All right, a couple minutes, come back. We'll put a bow on the show, and then we'll let McMullen get out on the grass. Eagle practice today. Uh, we'll come back and wrap this bad boy up here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest... Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. 
What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Coming down the home stretch of a Birds 365 Football Friday with your Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald. Um, no, you're off to practice, John. Um, nice to get on the grass, and you're looking forward to it. Now, will you take a roster with you? Do you have a little cheat sheet? Or are you that good, that assimilated, that you know exactly every single number for every single guy that's out there on the grass with you? No, they give us rosters, Jody. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, especially with the new players, especially with off-season rosters, 90 and especially you're not allowed in the locker room. So half of these guys you've never seen before until the first practice. You know, right. it's interesting. Um, I forget what team. I think it was Houston, uh, which brought, of course, a Bill Belichick sort of uh, mentality where nobody was wearing numbers. So nobody knew who the hell anybody was. Uh, and some of the Houston reporters were like, what the heck is this? Uh, because, you know, it's, it serves no purpose. Uh, but when you got 90 people out there, yeah, you need numbers, Jody. You need numbers, no question about it. Right. And by and the, the way, Ma- I, haven't mentioned, I haven't mentioned all show. It's at Lincoln Financial Field today, too. So they're going to be in the big house today. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> last time they had about 95% attendance, some of the – uh, veteran guys, the star level players on yeah. this team didn't show. Uh, do you know ahead of time what guys you should no. expect not to be there or 
Will you go there, get out the pen, and start checking names off who is or isn't the show? That's what you do. You got the pen, you got the roster, you start checking, Jody, um, to see who's up and who isn't. You know, it's interesting, guys who weren't there, uh, um, you know, Darius Slay, for instance, he's in town. The last time we were there, he didn't practice. A lot of times you just give veterans a day off, and they're there when a day we're not there. And maybe it's their time. We just talked about load management, a, Br- a Brandon Graham, a Fletcher Cox, a, somebody coming back from an injury like Brandon Brooks. You might just give them a day off, and that's why they're not practicing. But, yeah, you just check the numbers and see who's there, see who isn't. Uh, it's, and it's good to just be around the team and see what kind of attitude they're carrying. We've got a couple guests this week. We've asked them about the players singing the praises of their new head coach, no one should be surprised by that because that's what players do. They, they It's early enough. The uh, marriage is uh, young enough that all the players are going to like their new head coach. There might be one or two that were really dedicated to Doug Peterson that are probably wouldn't like anybody who came in and replaced them. But most of them get over that pretty quickly and they get used to their new coach. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you're going to get guys that are mostly in a good mood today. I need you to do me a favor. Send my regards to Greg Ward. I, I just feel, feel the need to let Greg Ward know that the president of his fan club is out here pulling for yes. Well, I will say this. Greg Ward right now is uh, – last time I was there, actually, it was Travis Fulgham. But we talked about competition. Greg Ward is in one of those competition positions. And by competition, I mean the third receiver spot. Right, uh, because Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager are going to play, barring injury. And then the Eagles are looking for that third receiver. Last time I was there, Travis Fulgham was the guy. And you can go about it different ways. Travis is going to play outside most of the time. That kicks Jalen Rager in the slot. If Greg Ward proves to be the best player, he'll be in the slot. Jalen will be outside. So a lot of different ways you can go about it. But he's still in the competition. And oh, until I, he's not, I plan on him winning the competition because I think he's that good. The a player. Eagles do not want him to win the competition. That's how I describe it. Uh, at some point, Howie Roseman's going to reach out to you and tell you to stop saying that that the Eagles don't want him to win the competition. Howie, Howie I, I know, reach how, out. I know Howie respects you, but I don't think he wants you talking for him. Believe me, I get reached out uh, plenty. And they don't want him to win the competition. So, so you're saying it's not just Howie. It's other sources are telling no. you. Well, that- I've said pretty consistently. They want to get more athletic on the field. They want to get more speed on the field. Doesn't mean you can, Jody. Doesn't mean you can. They've been trying to get better. They've been trying to go to other players, but they haven't been able to. So that's what you hang your hat on. I, I like athleticism. Athleticism is a very good trait to have. You know what I like better than athleticism? Production. That wins games more so than athleticism. Some of the greatest athletes yeah, but, couldn't uh, play Jody, a lick. Jody, it's easy to look in the rearview mirror. The trick is to look in the front mirror and say what's going to happen. That's the hard part. Right. The hard part is, is looking forward, not looking back. The Eagles want to get better. The Eagles want to get better. That's the easiest way looking, to explain it. Looking into my crystal ball, I'm predicting improvement from Greg Ward this year. Better player, better athleticism, better numbers. 
That's yeah. how big he's going to step up for the Eagles this year, despite the organization rooting against him as per John McMullen. Just I'm not rooting against him, by the well, way. The organization he, rooting against him as per you. They're not rooting against him. They're trying to get better. They're trying to get – it's like anything else. Why do you draft Devontae Smith? You're trying to get better. Why do you draft Landon Dickerson? You you want to try to get better. That You know, Devontae Smith alone – in theory, would create more traffic. So you're, you're talking about volume. Devontae Smith's numbers should make Greg Ward's numbers less. And you like Devontae. I do. Um, but you know the big number that Greg Ward's got improved. The one that I just can't continue to fight off is his average yards per catch. He's got to be better in that. Well, his overall right. numbers, his number of receptions will come down. His number of touchdowns will come down. His yards per reception must go up because if it does, if the if the number of catches comes down and the number of touchdowns come down and it's yeah. the still minuscule well, yards you, per catch, you know, he's not going to be around. He's not going to be on the field. One of my late season press box jokes last year was we were going to get the first seven catch, twenty eight yard, two touchdown game in history from Greg Ward. Yeah, you're still taking shots. I know, I know. Just do me a favor. Tell tell Mr. Ward, the president of his fan club, sends his regards. Uh, buddy, have so. a good day out there on the grass. I say we try this again next week. You up for it? I'm up for it. We'll do it. We'll we right got back. a little rest. I got I to gotta recharge the batteries. And I'll have some grass time to talk about. I got to win some money on the Belmont Stakes this weekend. But then I'll be in a good mood. Oh, by the way, exclusive quality. In case you want to know, exclusive quality over Ron Bauer. You're winning exactly in this weekend. There we go. Free money. Free um, money. You're going to practice. I'm going to put my wagers in on the Belmont Stakes. Uh, but we will be once again, Mac and Mac, reunited on Birds 365 on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.